There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Missing, listening to it, going down the crane because she's such a cutie. I've gone through the whole of representative that I'm trading at the Hogs. So they can't get cancelled. How are the people going to get cancelled? They know how hard I work and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Sorry, hold on now a second, right? Garrett's tone. Hang on. Did I read that right? Or did I hear that right? Or did I leave myself one cup of coffee short this morning that I didn't pick it up? Garrett's tone has lost its status as a blue flag beach. One of the most beautiful beaches in Ireland loses its status as a blue flag beach not because the water's dirty not because the sand is dirty not because there's anything wrong with it at all except they haven't got a recycling bin sorry what brain box dreamed up that as a condition of blue flaggery what I'm sorry now I thought when I saw that Garrettstown had lost its blue flag status I saw it there over the last couple of days like we all did I thought, all right, well, that's a bit, you know, maybe something up with the water or a bit of sewerage or something like that. No, they've no flipping recycling bins. Ah, here. This this whole thing just gets sillier and sillier and sillier and sillier as we as we go year into year into year into. Year. Come here. Good morning to you. We had an interesting response yesterday to my conversation with Mick Barry about trade unions and whether companies should be legally obliged to organize with trade unions and to deal with trade unions. And one of the companies that came up for discussion between myself and Mick was AbbVie. And there was a dispute there between the company and unions and unionized workers. There was a strike there a number of years ago. And we've had quite a number of texts from people uh, connected to that, which I will come to later in the morning. But people are still, by the read of these texts anyways, people are still quite traumatised by what happened with union uh, union workers and unionised workers and union members and the efforts to get a union into Abbey 
the, the whole silliness of the situation illustrated, as Mick was telling me, by the fact that AbbVie's company up in the west of Ireland, AbbVie's operation up there, is fully unionised. Mick had an explanation. To, to be fair to him, he had an explanation as to why that happens with some branches of a company and, and not with others. But I'll come back to those texts we got from, from Abby. It sounds like some people are thrilled that we are talking about it, even though it was just a few it was a few years ago now that all this happened. People seem very thrilled that we are talking about it. Okay. Come back to it, promise you. Something else I'm gonna come back to. This is a story I'm familiar with this. It came out over the weekend and there's been development on it. It's been brewing for a bit. This is the kids attending a special school in Carrigaline, a school that we all welcomed, a school that we all said, yeah, brilliant, that's fabulous. It opened in September 2021. There was a chronic shortage of places. It now has its full capacity of 48 pupils. But the families are up in arms because they can't get respite. Now, for certain families of kids with special needs, respite is a lifesaver because it just gives mom and dad a break lets them get away for a night, lets them just just chill and, you know, let off some steam themselves. And as part of the special school system, respite can be offered and can be available. Not all the time, but it can be there. There's no access to respite for these Carrigaline pupils. And it's, it's, it's a story that's growing. The reason is interesting. I will come back to that during the course of the morning. But... Much more besides, including a video that's on YouTube, which I watched a couple of times this morning. It's a video compiled of CCTV footage from various houses and homes in Ardpatrick. Now, Ardpatrick is in Blackpool. It's there behind the revenue building. It's a housing estate and it's a walkthrough. So you come from... You come through it. It's being used as a as a walkthrough, as a rat run, whatever, for people. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's loads of them. But residents of our Patrick are concerned because of antisocial behaviour. And this YouTube video shows fellas trying to break into cars, trying to rob stuff from cars, doing damage to cars, fires, litter. <laughs> there's one clip in it, which I, I shouldn't, but I did laugh, of this guy completely polaxed from drink trying to make his way home up the walkway and fallen flat on his face. It's it's unpleasant to see. Felt sorry for him though. But it's unusual for a residence association or a group of residents to actually get together and go to the go to the effort of putting a video like this up on YouTube for the world to see. Stephanie, Stephanie Mahalli, you're one of the people who worked on putting this video up there. It is an unusual step for a residence group to take, isn't it? Good morning. Good morning. So we've been dealing with a lot of antisocial behaviour um, in the estate. So I, I bought the house there five years ago. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, um, you know, I began witnessing some antisocial behaviour to the point where I, I spent €1,200 on getting CCTV put in in the front of my house because um, my car got keyed. You know, I started to make acquaintances with neighbours and we kind of formed together a residence committee to mm. try and tackle it. You know, some getting a lot more 
hit by the antisocial behaviour because they're directly facing, you know, they're on the road where I'm, I, I'm slightly back, so I'm protected mm-hmm. by a little green. So I don't get um, as much um, violence to my home, let's say, whereas some of my poor neighbours up um, where they're directly facing the road, um, you know, they're just constantly getting their cars broken into. Um, you know, it, it, it ranges from youths of 12 years old up to 25 years old. It's behind the revenue office there. You know, they, they'll be throwing stones over the railings, jumping over the railings, just just causing damage. Yeah. You know, it's just nonstop. They're just bored and coming through and just destroying our estate, you know, smashing bottles. There's now, now all of a sudden we're finding needles in the green. And I just have the fear that, you know, a child is going to get injured or if sure. not killed because they're also coming in with unleashed dangerous dogs um, motorbikes as well, motocross bikes. They come in without helmets, flying through the estate, and there, there's a green. And what's causing this is because it's a walkthrough estate. Sure. Do you know, Stephanie, who's involved? Obviously, without identifying anybody here, but do you know who they are? Is it the same people all the time? It's it's the same. You know, there there's a few groups, I would say. You know, there's the 12 to 15-year-olds. Then there's the kind of 17 to maybe 20-year-olds. Then there's also the drug users, a bit older. Then there's the ones, you know, who are, who are on the motorbike. So I, I just think there's a number of groups. You know, I can't pertain to what area they derive mm. from exactly. And, but, and why know, do you think your yeah. estate is being picked on? It's a shortcut into... It's a shortcut from um, the Glen Avenue there connecting Ballyvalan Mayfield to Glen. There is a little walk through right. um, at the top of Assumption Road and you can cut directly left into Ardpatrick and maybe take five minutes off your walk. So why not walk through our green? There is a full-blown path, you know, that has been carved out from the traffic. Yeah. Uh, we counted one time about 290 people per day walk through. There must be loads of people walk through and just walk through. Do yes, no harm to a living soul. Yes, 99.9% mean no yeah. harm. They're all on their way to work. That's no problem. It's the ones walking through who are just up to no good, who are just there looking for trouble. Yeah. When you report all this stuff to the guards, what do they say? Um, it's always like we're closing the barn door after the the animals have escaped. You know, they always come up, but it's an hour too late. You know, it's an hour and a half too late. You know, when I ring them, it's live and I can see them and I'm like, they're throwing rocks at cars. They're firing bottles over onto the car park of the revenue office. You know, by the time they get up to us, they're gone. You know, they've never caught them live. I've caught them. I go out to them. And I've confronted them. And, and, you know, they do tend to run half the time, you know. But, um... They're, they're stronger in numbers as well. And, you know, I'm just a young woman going out sometimes to face five, six teenagers. But I just tell them to, you know, jog on. And, and they tend to, you know, they might give me a bit of cheek back and I'll give it back to them. But they, they'll get out then. But, um, you know, because it's a walk through, the guards come in the left, they run out the right. They come in the right, they run out the left. There's all there's escape routes all over. So, yeah. you know, at this stage, we have at least 50 cc TV footages of them doing stuff that has been submitted. So you're fairly sure the guards know who they are? We have a log now, so it is a hot spot. So they are coming in now to monitor more. But like, you know, they'll come in and drive by at 4 p.m. But like, you never know when they're going to arrive. You know, it can be sometimes it's in the middle of the night that they're out in groups that they're the ones who are trying the cars, you know, trying to rob money. Um, But during the day, then, you know, it's usually just younger youths who are just bored and just find glass bottles and just want to smash them and, you know, find cones and are throwing them on the road and just up to no good. But it's when they're, you know, they're costing us money now, you know, they're they're damaging our personal property, you know, they're Mm. kicking off wing mirrors. The new thing now is 
walking through with big rings and just smashing car windows. You know, they're causing thousands in damage. Like, and, yeah. and who's going to pay for it? The weather you is know? improving, Stephanie. I'm, I'm sure children will be out playing on that green. Yeah. And I know you're worried about broken glass. And is that burnt out motorbike you told us about, is that still there? It was there for three weeks. I rang immediately the council and it was there for two or three weeks. And then I also was like, there's needles around there as well. I was like, this must be a new hotspot where I've never seen them using. So it's obviously in the middle of the night. But I went, I was just walking my dog around on the green. And next thing I counted at least five or six used needles. You know, it's just, it's dangerous. And I'm just, you know, I'm just worried of the smaller children, you know. Yeah. And if you put anything the nice, get injured. if you put anything nice new out, like a plant or a new display out the front, it'll be targeted. Is that right? Oh, forget it. If it's not bolted to the floor, it's gone. They'll just take it and smash it. They won't rob it. They'll just take it. My kids have had their bike stolen. If it's not bolted down, it's gone. They'll take your wheelie bin even. May I ask, Stephanie, is it a private estate or is there a council there? And it is a private estate. In the avenue, it's all privately owned. Most There's renters. It's kind of half renters, half private. Hmm. And then up behind in the close, there is a couple of council houses, but mostly private. Okay. Okay. We did get the council to take over the estate just this year. So they now do, you know, the grass cutting because it was when it's it takes 10 years for the council to take oh, over. So, so, so the, count, the council has taken it in charge. It's taken me four years. They finally, it got signed off. A couple now, now that it has been taken into charge, you want the walkway closed. Have you contacted yeah. any of your local reps and what have they said? Yeah, yeah, we have TDs um, working with us. We have a few, but it's just, it's nearly a full-time job, you know, keeping on top of them, making sure it goes to council. There's been an objection then from someone up behind who, who uses it as a walkthrough, so... Well, you can I see might... why they might object if they're using it as a yeah. walkthrough and it's handy for them to get to work or whatever and they're doing it and doing no harm to anybody. They'd be exactly. saying, well, why am I being punished for the sins of others kind of thing? Which I completely agree to, but on the original plans of the estate, it was not a walkthrough. There was ah. no path there and it should have been gated off, actually. Um, and then I, I think the developers then did not put gates on the entrances and then um, it's just become a walkthrough mm. um, estate. Now, as I said, it's not blocking off the people from the close from walking through the avenue. There is a road there. There is another path. All it does is, I think it's 10 metres or 10 foot is right. all it shortens it by. Stephanie, um, sometimes when we talk to people about things like this, antisocial behaviour, in you invariably call, ah, she's exaggerating. Ah, it can't be that bad. It is. It is so bad. It is honestly so bad. We have CCTV footage that was put up on social media to just show the extent mm -hmm. of the criminal activity that's ongoing. I've it is it. every second, third day. I've seen it. It's not a step I've seen local residence groups take before to actually organise and put up a video about the antisocial behaviour. I, I wonder, will it work out for you? We're, we're getting there. It's baby steps. You want that walkway closed? We want the walkway closed, or if not, that, you know, we can put a gate and we close it at night even. You know, it's just to stop them being able to, you know, come through at night, you know, let them just take the main road. Stephanie, have a good day. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye, bye Steph. It's not rocket science, and it wouldn't be the first time that they've closed off access like that, the council, or put up gates that the locals can have control of. I think there's one or two of them down by the lock. In fact, I'm fairly certain there's one or two of them down by the lock. 
there's also, and it's a place that I know very well, with a beautiful name, Witterlings Lane. I love that name, Witterlings Lane. They put in a gate there years ago. I know because a pal of mine was the key holder. They did it, I think they did it up around Fair Hill a few years back. Just closed off some of these uh, alleyways and, and, and rat runs. Case in Carrigaline, you, you say there's a problem down there as well and the guards are looking yeah. to close some walkways. The guards, the guards have for years have wanted these um, walkways closed off because it's so easy for the perpetrators then to run down and they can't catch them. Yeah. Because they they come up in a car to the estates, you know, mm. and you see there shouldn't be these places because of a perfectly good entrance into all estates. Yeah. Perfectly good entrance. It's just pure laziness. There's no need for these sidewalkways at all. They're, and, they're and, handy uh, for locals, though law-abiding locals. No, Kate, who just exactly wants to use the, it. no, no, because we measured off going from the main entrance and going through in a park and then coming out on the main road. It's the same distance. It's just they get the habit of going through the estates. But you're, you're talking about the same distance, measured off. I see. You know what I'm getting at? So you're actually coming parallel to the main road, you know, the main path. Oh. But you're just coming through in a state of houses on the other side. So it's actually the same measurement. Oh, so the, 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 the gate or the roadway or the cut through <laughs> isn't necessarily a shortcut. It's just there. No, it's just parallel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, there's no need to have it. And lo- locals would... Exactly would no, nobody would mind if it came up and started putting gates on them, No. No, and they'd like it closed, particularly at night. By day, it's fine. But by night, it would be marvellous to have gates on the two areas, you know? This is a widespread problem. Kate, Kate, thank you very much. I remember the one down by the lock, and I think we were here talking about it on the programme a few years ago when we had good weather. And of an evening time, when the sun was going down over the lock, people were making their way back. And shall we say they had been indulging, as you do in the sun of an afternoon but they were um, they were inclined to uh, answer the call of Mother Nature up the lane and uh, they were inclined to answer more exuberant calls of Mother Nature as in not of the not of the toilet variety but more of the sexual variety uh, up against people's um, gates and pillars don't tell me I'm making it up I took the calls lads I took the calls so someone got gates in and now some of the locals have have, have keys or there's a combination that only the local knows or something like that. So maybe that could happen up in Ard Patrick. But you'll find that video on uh, YouTube if you want to take a look at it. Just look up Ard Patrick Residence. 0818969696. Friday 26th is Jersey Day. Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make me feel. Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. See 96FM .ie for more. 96fm.ie for more. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You name you name feel. Only on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. This I'll come back to. It's interesting because I thought I had it sorted uh, a couple of years ago and I do have it sorted a couple of years ago. There's a trick you need to do with your phone, particularly if you're on one of the major providers like Vodafone or 3 or any one of those. But people 
are still getting skinned for their mobile phone bill on holidays and you need to watch it. Uh, there's a thing called fair data use. You know you have these unlimited data or data, whatever you want to call it, data clause in your contract. If you go down and down and down into the really small print, the one you need reading glasses for, even if you're healthy and fit and young, you still need flipping magnifying glass for it. Fair data use. Be careful. You could get caught there with your fair data use. Like if you're going on holidays and the kids are watching videos on your phone, careful. If you're on a long bus route, say, between the airport and your hotel and the kids are watching something on streaming or whatever, be careful. That data could cost you an absolute fortune. Also, if you're on something like a cruise, lucky you, and you have mobile phones at sea that are assisted by satellite, careful, careful, careful. Because people are still getting whopping great bills from for data use. Not so much calls and texts anymore, or WhatsApp is free, for example. But data use is catching people, particularly with this fair use clause uh, with roaming. Um, I don't roam anymore. I found a trick. I'll tell you about that afterwards. Do not let your phone choose the network for you. Don't, don't. That's silly. You can do it. It's easy. It's nice and handy. It's also very silly. Come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. Staying though with antisocial behaviour for now. We were talking to Wayne, Wayne Lloyd, the hairdresser in Ballet de Hob yesterday and his thoughts about the recent jazz festival. Now the jazz festival is fabulous and he's a big supporter of it and it brought 10,000 people to the village and they had a great weekend. But Wayne was saying that, look, there wasn't enough bins and there weren't enough local public toilets, temporary toilets. And there was noise and underage drinking and there was drugs and a lack of respect for the local community. He he said that there was people going down behind premises and on the walls of premises to go to the toilet and people having sex down alleyways next to public houses. This is Wayne's view. Wayne's view of, of what the weekend and antisocial behaviour. We were happy, happy, very happy to talk to him about it. Took one or two other calls afterwards, pushing back a bit. And also Shane... Uh, you got in touch. Um, you were listening to what Shane or to what um, to what Wayne had to say, and and I don't think you agree with him. Good morning. I don't. Um, I, I feel uh, understanding of that uh, they could do with maybe more toilet facilities and and rubbish facilities, which is a a learning curve, I suppose, for the committee. And I I, I would have no doubt that they'll address that in in further years to come. Um, I think the the comments that he posted online about um, the disgust about it and and so on and the, the the lack of community spirit I think is couldn't be further from the truth. I think the if if, if as, a, as a strange person to walk into the town, anyone you'd be greeted with open arms throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fantastic town for every there's a. A country festival coming up in the next two weeks on the, on the bank holiday weekend. Um, the the summer festival brings in the the boats and the, um, to the pier locally. Uh, everyone new here, I walk outside the town um, every day of the week, and 
when people ask me where you're from and they hear Baldy Hog, they all love the place. Um, well, there's no doubt, Shane, that the place is extremely popular. But the point I think that Wayne was making was, yes, the festival that he's talking about, the jazz, is a huge success. But he uh, indicated that he saw people going to the toilet up against the walls of businesses. He says that he saw people or heard of people having sex down the back alley of a pub. Like, he claims that there was drug abuse going on. It is his view and he's entitled to it. Oh, 100%. And I'm not taking that from him, but um, this is, like, I, I for 99% of the time, I, I'm at every festival in the town. Uh, I've, I've yet to see adults or young adults doing any type of toilet necessary business up in buildings or any of that scenario. Um, each pub has one or more toilets. The, the public toilets are below on the community hall. Mm. Understandingly, it's a small bit out of the way if you're in the middle of the town. But, like, I suppose in every festival, in every town, in every place around Ireland, you're going to have the slight bit of underage drinking. I don't think anyone's going to ever tamp down and completely iron that out. Impossible. Um, impossible. Yeah, impossible. The, the drug use, I think, is ludicrous. And... But you don't believe him? I, I, I give a look, of course. There's, there's, there's young people, there's everyone, there's, you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of drug use everywhere. Um, I have never seen it blatant in the town or in front of my own eyes. And I, I, see, I feel a lot of people okay. would back me on that. Um, like, it's a fantastic town. It's to be fair to him, Shane... He yep. says that repeatedly. It's a fabulous place to live. It's a fabulous place to work. It's a fabulous place to do business. I was r- remarking myself that I'd been there in around Patrick's Day for the first time in many years, and I thought the place was absolutely gorgeous. I, I, I don't think he's saying anything negative about it. I think what he's saying is that probably going forward for festivals, they need more public toilets and they need more bins. That's the key element of what he was saying. Well, I, I find one thing very funny to understand that if he was so concerned about such things that he pointed out I, I don't see why you'd have to go on either social media or be at the radio or any of these things if you have such you know I, I still mean I had a problem with, with a festival in Valley Hob or any town that I was going to I would try and make communication with the committee board themselves and address and iron out a few problems um, I didn't feel the need that he had to kind of I found and I spoke to a lot of people over the weekend like, they're very unimpressed by his comments and hurt I wasn't put back by them. Unimpressed by what he said or unimpressed by the fact that he went public with it, Shane? Because it's... Unimpressed by what he said. I don't think there was any great issue that he went public with it. I feel that he could have gone directly to the, as I say, the committee okay. if he had such a problem. Uh, like, there's no one denying that he didn't. There's, like, there's no problem in going public. Quite incisive, sir, as anyone is. I just feel if he had such a problem, address it with the communities or the, the, the committee themselves and try and address a few things and it could have been, there could have been a lot less aggro. And is there bad feeling locally about what he has been saying? Yeah, I, I spoke to numerous people um, over the weekend that, that I didn't even see the comments myself until I was informed by people in the town and uh, there's an awful lot of people very put out and very <laughs> upset that they couldn't have been kind of dealt with in a normal way or a, 
and understanding way well, to committees. And that's the whole point of committees. Well, our role, Shane, here as a radio programme is to encourage and, and drive conversation. That's what we set out to do here. I'm glad yeah. you're taking part in it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and as I say, like it's a great town. Uh, like, as I say, any people I've, I ever meet at work and people ask me where my family or whatever, like, you never hear anyone say a bad word about Valley Hall. No, um, no, no. It's a great no, no. town. Yeah. And, like, if, if it was, if it was, in my own eyes, if it was as disgusting as made out, the people are, are getting bigger every year for all the festivals. They wouldn't be coming if they were disgusted. That's true. Shane, I'll leave it there and thank you very much. No bother. Thanks very much. Appreciate the call, uh, Shane. I'm, there's an old thing, you know, in this job that um, a story, a real story, is one that some people would prefer wasn't getting told. And so Wayne came forward with his view, and that's what it was, his view, his experience, of Bally Dihab post the Jazz Festival. He has no issue with the Jazz Festival. In fact, he loves it. And so do other people. But there's a pushback against what he's saying. And it's just my old instinct, the old hairs on the back of my neck are saying, there's something going on down there that people would prefer wasn't being talked about. Has it anything at all to do with antisocial behaviour and piddling down lanes or whatever you're having yourself? And I would hope to visit Bally Dihab at some point during the summer, certainly September at the latest, when we're heading back down west for a weekend. But there's something going on down there. And if we're happy to take more calls on it. If you want to make them, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That's the best bit about this program, you know. I always say to you, or at least I say to you regularly enough, if there's a conversation you think we should be having that we're not having, up to you. You can start it on oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six or oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That was well, Wayne posted on Facebook and. Then he came on the air and he started a conversation and I think it's a conversation that a lot of people wish he hadn't started. Your thoughts are continue to be welcome. Uh, the Ard Patrick video, the one on YouTube, we've put that up now on our Twitter so you can see the kind of antisocial behaviour that is going on that the residents like Stephanie put into a video from captured from their own CCTV footage. So that's up now on our Twitter at Opinion Line ninety six oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six PJ. I prefer to stay anonymous if I could. That's fine. Myself, my partner were at a hospital appointment. I am due a baby soon. My partner used the toilet, and behind the toilet he found a small Ziploc bag, and then a piece of tin foil with what he thinks was heroin. He called the security guard, and the toilet had to be locked to be cleaned. It's a disgrace people are doing this all over the country. But to do it in a maternity hospital is ridiculous. Thank you for that. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Yeah, I know what I'd forgotten and I'll come back to it again. 
it's communion season. I think there's one more weekend left in it. This weekend is the last weekend of communion season. But I was reading. I don't know how. Thank goodness communions are a dim and distant memory in in Coogan Towers. But three grand? What would cost you three grand for a communion? I'm just thinking. I'll come back to it though. 0818 96 96 96 to Ard Patrick, uh, Councillor Joe Kavanagh of, of Fine Gael. Joe, you're across this problem. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, thanks for taking the call. Um, no, listen, I've been dealing with the residents up there uh, for some time now on this. Mm. And uh, it is a horrific situation, to be quite frank and honest with you. And. Um, my heart goes out to the residents up there. These are normal people living normal lives and they didn't invite this situation to their doorstep, mm-hmm. unfortunately. They're victims of very serious antisocial behaviour uh, on an ongoing basis. It's not. Um, it's an unprecedented, in my experience anyway, Joe, yeah. that people would go to the trouble of compiling a, a CCTV video and putting it up for the world to see. We've yeah. now shared it as well. It's It's yeah. bad stuff, like... I've seen I've seen the video the videos um, PJ and look they are horrific they're probably the worst I've seen in a long long time to be quite frank and honest and you know the one thing that really struck me the first thing that struck me when I looked at uh, one of the videos was how young yeah. some of the perpetrators are of, of these There's and they are crimes I mean they're only kids um, and kids whose just, parents should know where they are Joe. Yes, and look, the problem really, I think, PJ, is there's a series of, um, the Art Patrick estate is a series of, of estate roads running parallel with each other all the way down to the tax office. I don't, actually, Art Patrick Avenue, wh- where we're talking about here, um, is, the, is the lowest one. And the ta- it backs on to the tax office. And apparently the roof of the tax office in the summertime becomes a playground for these guys. Uh, after hours, I mean... And um, look, they, it's the only through road. All the others are cul-de-sacs, yeah. and that's a, that, that's got a lot to do with the problem as well. So it's very, very difficult for the Gardaí to police it. Now, as you come down Assumption Road, um, you walk through walk through um, the Ard Patrick Close, which is above this mm-hmm. this this road. Walk down through a green into Ard Patrick Avenue, and then you can walk through it over to I think it's. Pope's Road. They want um, that walkthrough closed, Joe. Yes, yes, they do. They do. And look, that's that's one of the solutions to actually uh, resolving this uh, situation or curbing it at least. You know, and so it's what's something. What's the process that, of doing that? Well, Cork City Council are actually looking into it at the moment in terms of the ownership uh, taking in charge of the green area. There's there's a little bit more than putting up a gate. Well, maybe, um, maybe for the benefit of people, Joe, because yes, there is sometimes more involved yes. than just putting up a gate. So so yes. let's, you, you you and your colleagues there in, in that ward yes. are aware of the problem here and I yes. think you would agree with them, the need to close off that alleyway. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that sounds like what it is. So the process. So you decide, right, I'm their local representative, I want to help them close off that alley. What's the process? Well, the process is <clears throat> the process is to, uh, I suppose, establish ownership in terms of is there a bond there from the developer of the area, uh, and all, all these issues have to be taken into consideration. Um, there's a number of boxes to be ticked, PJ. You know, in other words, you want to find, is it public ground or is it privately owned? Is what you want to know. <laughs> 
has it been handed over? Has it been taken in charge, etc., etc.? And is there a bond there uh, from the developers that were there previously, and so on? So, in other words, the bottom line is who's going to pay for it, you know? Yeah. And look, look, I, I can assure you that the wheels are in motion. Mm to actually do something about this because in fairness I have to say this PJ in fairness to the Gardaí their hearts are broken and they're doing a brilliant they're doing the very best they can yeah. and especially the community guards up there they're up and down there uh, on a regular basis trying to police uh, the area but as you well know PJ and you said it many times yourself you know you can't have a guard on every street no. corner 24-7 no, so so and and look, these residents have they've they've got CCTV cameras outside their houses, mm-hmm. and that's where these videos are coming from. You know, um, it's not as if they're going out there themselves with cameras because they, they they're prisoners in their own homes. A lot of them, and they're they're fearful mm-hmm. for their safety and for their children's safety. So look, it's a beautiful area. They're really nice, decent people, and all they're asking for is safety for their personal property and safety in their homes uh, so they can walk out. The kids can go out and play in the green area with, with no fear. So you're re- you can reassure them, Joe, I think, today that uh, yes, I it can. is being looked into, the closing of that alley. Yes, I can. Most certainly can, PJ. And uh, it, it, it's... It, it's Plans are fairly, I won't say fairly advanced, but they are in progress to actually get something done about this. But we have to be uh, mindful of everybody's uh, opinion on this. There has been, have been a number of conflicting opinions from other people, i.e. objections and so on. So they have to be addressed as well. Everybody's entitled to have their opinion. Yeah. I suppose if you want to close off an alleyway anywhere, and I remember talking about this years ago, up around, I think there was some trouble, and yes. I'm only choosing Fair Hill as an area. I don't want to yes. impugn anybody, but I, I remember covering a, a controversial through way alleyway in in Fairhill, I think it was years ago, and for everybody yeah. that wanted to block it off, there was someone who yeah. had a reason for not doing so. You got to deal with that as well. You do, and like, look, we've done lots of them in in this area, PJ, not a million miles from where you're sitting. Like, you know, up around the quarry, there we we closed off uh, the, the the quarry steps, if you remember, I some do, years do, ago. And there was all kinds of problems with that, the people that were using the steps for all kinds of things. And then we had another one up in uh, Oyal Road. And look, it works well if it's managed well by it the residents time, in terms yeah. of... It does take time, PG, you're 100% right. But there are certain areas that people will object to whatever is, is happening there. And you just have to kind of, um, I suppose, try and reach as balanced an outcome as you possibly can to, as, to the satisfaction of everybody. Okay. All right, we'll see where, where it goes, Joe. We'll keep an eye to it. As I said, we've shared the video. That's Councillor Joe Kavanagh, who tells us that the process of blocking off that throughway is big, has begun, but it ain't quick. 0818969696. Quick call from Frank before we go up to 10. Last Wednesday it was, I was talking to Alex. Now, Alex is home from the UK. He's been quite a number of years over there working in the buildings lost his job, he came back, he's trying to settle and he's under a bit of pressure because he doesn't have an address and he needs one to get social welfare, to get medical card, to get access to the housing system and he doesn't have an address and he was explaining to me how the City Hall will help him if he has an address and they say go over to the Simon and you can use them as an address but they then according to Alex anyway when he goes over there they say he has to register at City Hall before they can let him use the address. And you know the cell, you know, you, you know yourself, Frank. There may be a solution for him. Good morning. 
Morning, Peter. How are you? Mm. I'm abs- I was absolutely amazed listening to it. I mean, City Hall, Simon, intro. This is all being able to tell him you can generate an address through on post and welfare. That will give you a unique air code that you can use. Mm. It was brought in nearly 10 years ago at this stage. Because of homelessness. Because the homeless people were finding it hard to get social welfare, no, and as you yes. say, medical, medical cards, things like yeah. that. No, no. It's well, right. he's in an enviable position in that Simon will help him if he is registered at City Hall. City Hall can't register him because he hasn't got an address, and they say Simon will give you one. So he's kind of going from it's, one to the other. It's, it's complete. I'm sorry, Peter. It's complete rubbish. If he goes, well, they should have helped him in City Hall, but if he went into the intro office. They'll do it there and then for him. It I takes see. about it takes about three minutes. He'll have to know the address is linked to your local post office. I gotcha. So, like having so, a PO box number. Exactly. So if we say if you're getting social welfare, any letters from welfare will be delivered to the post office, and you can collect them there. Um, you can use it for all welfare and on post transactions. No, I don't think it would be accepted by a bank, if you know what I mean. I do, I do, I do, but... But, but for all other welfare, government, business, just if, if, if you can show them how to go on to government.ie, and it's, it's in black and white. Like, okay. It's just amazing. I heard City Hall weren't able to tell them, okay. or Simon. Okay, all right, Frank, thank you for that. Uh, I'm presuming he's listening. Alex, welfare.ie, my friend, is your starting point. Pop into an internet cafe if you don't have access give me euro, they'll give you half an hour or whatever you get for that nowadays and you'll be able to sort yourself out. Thank you Frank You guys ready? The Big Drive Home, weekdays from 4 On Cork's 96FM The countdown is on to this year's Giving for Living Radiothon which on this show means one thing it's back. We need your help raising as much money as we possibly can for Cork Cancer Services. Get involved in Jersey Day, hold a coffee break, or even a sponsored fast if you're able. Just leave the pizza at home, yeah? I'm currently on a sponsored fast. We had pizza come in for our last day of school today. Oh, no. Find out more about this year's Giving for Living Radiothon with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Nyan Motors, your number one for Kia in Cork. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Nobody has come back to me yet with an explanation of the logic of why Garrettstown lost its blue flag because it doesn't have recycling bin. I mentioned that at the top of the programme this morning. That now seems like real banana rama stuff like. Absolutely crazy. You'll have read it that Garrettstown lost its blue flag and a lot of people who go there a lot and maybe have mobile homes down there and are frequent visitors in the summer aghast at the loss of the blue flag status for Garrettstown because the water's perfect, the sand is perfect, the beach is idyllic. On a summer's day, there are far more beautiful places, far fewer beautiful places, if you know what I'm getting at. But like, hello? No, no recycling bins? No blue flag? Like, 
What's that crap about? 0818 96 96 96. The list, of, the list actually of blue flag beaches in, in Cork. I must read them out for you because you'll be using them over the next week or so. Even the next eight or nine or ten days now ahead looking very handy weather-wise if you're having yourself. I'll come back to that and come back to plenty more <laughs> communions. Yeah. Just that statistic I was reading over the last week or so about uh, communions costing some families three grand and they're going to credit unions for loans and, and all. Three grand for a communion. Like you buy a second hand car. Okay, an old one for three grand. You know, you'd, you'd paint your house top to bottom for three grand. But a communion, three grand. What's it, what's it being spent on? 0818 96 96 96. Last week I was talking to Andrew. You'd gotten a mobile phone or a Vodafone bill for your broadband, Andrew, of 41,000 euro. And you'd been pushing back through the contact centres and the call centres and you got it sorted and then it wasn't sorted and then it was and then it wasn't and as you spoke to me last week you had another bill on the table for 41,000 euro what's happening now? Good morning Good morning PJ what? Yes That's the story Straight after I spoke to you well the next day um, I actually got a call from Vodafone and um, they said that they were looking into it and they would get back to me um, they were able to send me uh, confirmation of the amount that I had paid, the 600 and whatever euros that was. Mm. Um, and then I waited until yesterday and they gave me a call back and they said it had been sorted out and the 41,000 had been written off. My account had been closed. Um, so that was all sorted. So I just asked them, you know, how did it get to that amount and what was the cause of it? Um, and it, it was actually a couple of things that led up to it. Was just just to recap for people who might have missed it, Andrew, the six hundred and fifty that you paid them was it that they stopped, or the direct debit wasn't correctly set up, so you owed them something like a year's yes. rental, and you paid them up with that, and you were okay with that. Yes, um, I gave them all the details when I started up the the contract, and it was obviously entered into the computer incorrectly um, on their side. And they just never billed me, and um, I never got—I never got a bill. I actually never got a bill in the post or um, online. Yeah. I just nearly what was it? Eighteen months later, I get the forty-one thousand euro bill um, via email. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why it got so high was that um, how it works after a year, if you don't get hold of Vodafone and cancel your contract, they just keep on billing you, but at an out of bundle rate. Oh. So, yeah, they just kept on billing me. And, um, yeah, they only got hold of me, like I say, after 18 months. Good job you weren't on direct debit. Yes. <laughs> well, if I was, it probably wouldn't have... It, uh, it, I, I would have noticed straight away mm. after after the year that I would have, I would have got a, a bigger bill um, after oh. that one month. But, uh, yeah, it would never have got to the 41,000. There's an interesting learning in it here for a lot of people, Andrew, myself included, because I moved providers uh, in our home broadband 
earlier this year to Vodafone, yeah. and, and I found them, I have to say, I found them very pleasant to deal with in the whole setting up process, yeah. and I got a very, very good price for 12 months. But what I'm learning here is I need to keep an eye on that. And yes, when I'm and coming you, up to the end of it, I need to get in touch with them. Yes, and don't get in touch with them in the last month. You need to let them know a month in advance. Okay. Yeah, so that's something to keep in mind as well. So set your reminder for, if your contract's for a year, set your reminder for it, at, I'd say, after 10 and a half months to get hold of them and let them know, give them notice that you, you're not going to be continuing with them or, or whatever it is. Well, they'll make you another offer if you do that. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, something, hopefully uh, we can save someone else the hassle that I've gone through. And, and I'm, I'm told as well, Andrew, from what little bit of reading I've done, that this is across the board because all of the broadband providers now will offer you a really sexy deal to get you for a year. That's and it, then they'll hope you'll stay there. That's it, yeah. They, they offered me another deal to stay now. I was like, no, it's all right, thanks. <laughs> I've already gone somewhere. <laughs> exactly. So you got it sorted at least. That's, that's the main thing, yes. It's all sorted. I don't have that huge 41,000 euro bill hanging over my head here. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, but that's the deal. Talk that's to them the about the okay. contract. Make sure you talk to them about the contract. That's it, yeah. And then I'd also suggest uh, <laughs> just be a bit savvy and if you've taken out the contract, maybe just double check at the end of the month that they have taken the debit order off. Because, uh, yeah, it is possible for them to just hit in one digit wrong or something like that. I got you. All right, Andrew, thank you. I'm glad it's worked out for you. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, I did. I changed. I, we had been with uh, our given provider for quite a long time. And it was getting ridiculously expensive. And I just said, right, we'll give it a go. I had a problem because I couldn't get what I wanted. I don't necessarily want these big, sexy fibre cables and fellas digging up my drive to put them down. I'm not particularly interested in that until I absolutely have to have it. But I eventually got a provider, i.e. Vodafone, who would come in on my existing system and they offered me a fabulous deal, to be fair now, for a year for the phone and for the Wi-Fi, which is brilliant. But there's my advice now from Andrew is I know because I have the details saved in my phone I know when that contract expires contact them maybe a month and a half or two months in advance and tell them you're going to cancel they may offer you a new deal but if you don't cancel they'll keep billing you and billing you and billing you and billing you and with regard to bank statements we really need, need to look at what bills are going out of your statement and make sure that they are the right amount that's going out and if you're locked into a, a contract like what does it cost me 36 quid a month or something 36 quid a month 35 quid a month for the broadband and the phone which is it's cheap in fairness it's a euro a day I have to keep an eye that it goes out on the right date because that can all that go really messed up in Andrew's case but check those check with those providers make sure that you do go back to the mobile phone thing which is not unconnected I suppose and I mentioned to you this fair data use and as people get ready to go on holidays and bring the phones thinking that the EU has sorted out roaming it has and it hasn't 
<laughs> as a Kerry Ben Mayer. Well, it hasn't, it hasn't. Reggie's Sean Mike O'Shea O'Shea might say, uh, it hasn't, it hasn't. You see, yes, you have certain rights with regard to data roaming in the EU, but some people are still getting crucified with big bills over this fair data use policy. And if you're jumping around from provider to divider, provider on your roaming deal, you could be knocking up a data bill that'll be an unpleasant shock, particularly if the kids are watching videos by the pool. Why they would be doing that, I don't know, but anyway, they do. Or watching telly on the beach or whatever. Just be careful, be very careful of that. Another little trick, we stopped this years ago and we did save money. Do not get your phone into this automatic selection of a network. It's crazy. When you get off the plane and turn on your phone or you get back, get to the apartment or the hotel and turn on your phone, go into the network selection and manually select your actual provider's partner. So we're Vodafone in my house. Well, the uncle is on three. We're Vodafone. He's three. So we manually select whatever the partner is, wherever we are, and then lock it in rather than all this jumping around from provider to provider, which is nice and handy, but could be very costly in the long run. So manually lock in your provider when you go on holidays. Your your phone is just go through the settings and you'll be able to find it. But be very careful of videos, watching videos on phone. When you're away with the kids, 0818 96 96 96. On communions, uh, from Waterfall comes this message. PJ, we've twin daughters and when they got their first communion back in the 90s we got all their gear from the buy and sell it was as new and when we were finished we sold it again and we got our money back after all these clothes are literally worn only for a few hours yes you see that was good common sense more on that in a sec join the conversation email opinion at 96fm.ie this is the opinion line with PJ Coogan Coach 96 yeah, just on the cost of living before I go to uh, communions at all at all, uh, gluten-free bread has gone from three ninety nine to four twenty nine in my local supermarket, says Bernie. They say they're dropping the price of normal bread and milk. Aha, you see? But they seem to be upping the price on other products. Well, don't you know, Bernie, the shop never loses. So they took down the cost of milk, they took down the cost of butter, they took down the cost of the basic sliced pan, and there's Bernie's gluten-free bread gone up from three ninety-nine to four twenty-nine, which is what, thirty cents. And then PJ, I buy organic prosecco in Aldi. It was expensive enough. By Aldi standards anyway, at thirteen ninety. But it's gone up in the past week to fourteen thirty. That's ridiculous. I've now gone back to the cheaper bottle at seven ninety nine. That's forty cents. Yeah. You see, I get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Whenever I see the label organic on anything, I just see that as a foreign word for expensive. Particularly <laughs> sorry no. Whatever about fruit and veg and organic fruit and veg, organic chicken, organic this, organic that. Organic Prosecco? Are you, are, you, are you joking? It makes a difference to the hangover, so they tell me. Right. Okay. Mm. 
let's not let's 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 not go there. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But I mentioned this um, earlier on in the morning that I had read and seen some articles, and we're well out of communion territory in in Coogan Terrors and, and <laughs> glad to be rid of it at this at the cost of it. But lighting up tiaras, uh, chariots going to the church, helicopter rides to mass, fake tan, fake nails, communion dresses, like wedding meringues. But, and look, they all have their part to play. It's a big day in a little girl's life and a big day in a little boy's life. And you want to do the best for them and all of that. You want to give them a day they'll remember. But some parties are costing up to 3,000 euro. Now, having provided entertainment in my previous years to parties of all shapes and sizes, including communion and confirmation, I don't know who's being paid the whopping money for entertainment at communion parties. What is the co- Why is it costing so much? Uh, Kenneth Flynn, you've been looking into this morning. Good morning, teacher. Uh, How are you this morning? Good. Good to talk to you, sir. It's been a while. Three, three grand. Three grand. Um, look, I'll be honest with you. I was approached by a number of parents who have paid anything between a thousand up to three thousand five hundred for communion days this year alone, and telling me the strain and the pressure that they're under. Look, there is an amount of keeping up with the Joneses, as you mentioned yourself in the past, that there is kind of the outrageous kind of things that are done for communions. But again, it's very difficult to say to your child, you can't have it, even though everybody else in your cl- class is having this, having this event uh, around you. I, you know, and look, three grand, it's not long topping up, you know, once you take into the account the communion dress, as you said, the hairdresser, the makeup, the the event itself, the uh, the afters, whether it's a party, whether it's a bouncing castle, whether it's getting the caterers in. I was told about one event that was uh, bigger than a wedding um, recently, mm-hmm. and there was, there was roll-up caterers and ice cream vans and all this sort of stuff. Look, there is an element of keeping up with the Joneses and the showing off, but there's also those that are trapped in that. And, you know, because somebody else is doing it in their class, you have to do, provide the same thing or something like it or go big or go home sort of ideas. Mm. And it's putting tremendous pressure on parents. Uh, you know, I've had some parents that have said, look, we've gone to the credit union, we've taken the loan out of the credit union, we've been paying it back for the next five years. I've had other people telling me that they've ran it up on their credit cards. I've had people telling me that they've even went to loan sharks. Now, the third one there I'd have a real problem with. Yeah. Well, look, Peter, you know as well as I do, there's banks out there charging 16 17% on short, short-term loans that are advertised on, on, on early morning TV um, very often, actually, in, in the UK and Ireland, and that's still available. But there are people as well that are going to the loan sharks that don't have credit available to them, that don't have a good standing in, in the credit union for whatever reason, for past or, or whatever like yeah. that, or they just... But you're, they just you're have, getting into, right a, off, you're getting into a debt hole, Kenneth. Yeah. You needn't. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't... And I think it's probably... I will be thrown under several buses coming in a row here if I say this wrong. I think it's probably harder on the parents of a daughter than it is on the parents of a son. Well, there's, there's certainly a lot more costs when it comes to, um, you know, you know, we, we were all boys growing up in our house, so you know, it was, it was wash your hair, wash your hair, put on your clothes, and get out the door. Um, with the girls in the communion, it's 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 the makeup, it's the hairdos, it's the the big dress. Um, which are very expensive now, you know, you're you're talking 
300 plus for a lot of them some of them going up to 8900 I'm sure there's going to be someone who text in and tell me that I'm way out of my figures that they're, they're probably more mm. um, and you know what even just the cost of going out even if you're going out for a meal afterwards like yeah, going out take the dress alone you're going to wear it. she's yeah. going to wear it for four hours I know, and then I, spill co- and and then spill jelly and ice cream uh, on it. Uh, inevitably, I remember my own communion coming home with a hole in my pants, <laughs> so for, for the two knees popping out of it because we were roughhousing. But look, that's that's kids, you know. I, I think the reality here is what I've been looking for is that some sort of solution could be come about between schools and uh, and the church. Look, the the. The significance of communion, if you really want your child to receive the sacrament, it's about receiving a holy sacrament. Uh, and people can debate that now all they, all they want, but that's what communion is there for. Mm-hmm. And perhaps we should be coming up with more of a, a circular idea where there's not a huge amount of pressure put on families to, you know, things could be made, you know, you can uh, use the uniforms, the same as they do in a lot of the confirmation schools. Um, that you choose your uniform rather than having to buy the dress or having to buy the, the suit yeah. for the child. And, and you know, you'd have to throw this across to, to the bishops. And um, yeah. I know, yeah. look, Bishop Gavin listens to this programme. Maybe he's listening to me, maybe, maybe he's not. But my, my wife has uh, always made the point that they did this with confirmation where they, they got them to wear the school uniform and put a simple white robe over the shoulders to mark yeah. the occasion. Yeah. These dresses that cost, like you say, anything from three to eight hundred to a thousand euro, if the child just wore their school uniform and a simple white robe that was rented for the occasion, like anyone going for their college graduation, they're not, they're not buying the robe and the, and the hat. Exactly. Look, there's there's lots of very, very quick ways that church and schools, if they work together, could intervene and bring down the cost of these events. And I'd like to see something where, you know, all the children celebrated together. Because the, I, I remember back in my own communion, the, which is a long time ago now, you know, the, the biggest kick I got out of the day was meeting three or four of my friends and running off to the playground with them. You know, um, they, they, kids are kids. That's the reality of it, you know. It doesn't take an awful lot to entertain a child when you really, when you when you drill down, you know. How many times have we said we've bought the expensive present and they end up playing with the box? I know? remember my own communion, Ken, and it's not today nor yesterday, and don't you even be trying <laughs> to guess when it was, right? But I, I, Peter, Peter, we can put a competition on now. I, st- <laughs> I still have the picture, right? And we had the school blazer, okay? I was going to press at the time, and we had the school blazer, the purple blazer, Right, but some brain box decided to put a load of eight-year-olds into white trousers. I say that in the last line. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> what drugs were they taking? <laughs> but look, that's all part of life, isn't it? But I think, look, I think it's about getting back to basics. I think for the bishop, uh, I think he'd be happy to see it being more focused on the ceremony itself and the importance of mm. that ceremony. Um, I think schools have their part to play as well in mm. the sense, you know, we all have a school hall local to us, why not on communion day do we not open up the school hall and do a party for all the kids, that, that all the kids could be together Yeah, yeah that, you could pay, that people could pay into over yes. the years and you know, you could do the bouncing exactly, if the parents contributed to the, then you'd have some fella coming along waving insurance documents at I've you. I've no doubt, I've yeah. no doubt but look, that can be overcome too, if we can if we can run community events still, you know we can we can run we can run surely an event for kids. Yeah. All right, leave it there. Thank you very much, Ken O'Flynn, Councillor Ken O'Flynn. But the thing about the simple white robe, Queen Bee has been saying this to me 
for years that the bishops are in a very powerful position here. And I speak of Bishop Gavin and indeed Bishop Colton. Um, If the bishops were to say for Holy Communion, just the white robe, school uniform and the white robe, and none of these dresses and none of these fancy suits, it would bring the costs down. So that would be, we'd throw that one into the ballpark of the church. Churches. Like a simple white robe that you could either rent or buy for 20. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 30 quid or 30 quid, rather than shelling out a fortune on a dress. Because Ken is right. If the little girl down the road had a fantastic communion dress, well... Your little girl's going to want one. And, you know, you, you, you're kind of going to give it to her because well, she's, as important as, she's as important as the girl down the road whose dad earns three times what you do. <sighs> Anyone seen anything that was completely over the top, though? I remember taking a call years ago. Was it here or something? Yeah, this little girl went up the aisle you remind me of this this morning, Emer. This little girl went up the aisle on the morning of her Holy Communion. And as she received, I, I kid you not, as she received the host from the priest for her first Holy Communion, her tiara lit up because Mammy was, this is, Mammy was behind her with a remote control in the pocket of her jacket. So as soon as the little girl gets the, bless herself, ping, on come the lights in the tiara. Someone sent a picture of it actually happening. <laughs> you do your best for your kids though, don't you? But lighting up tiaras, like what's the male equivalent of a lighting up tiara? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I have sympathy with the fashion parade. It puts so much pressure on the parents, but you also have to stand up to it. 
Don't be spending hundreds or even thousands for communion and then say you can't afford bread. That's not doing right by your kids at all. Yeah. The robes could be the solution if they wore them after or if there was a rule, there was a tracksuit or something underneath. However, what I've seen lately is they take off the robes and underneath they have the most beautiful of clothes. That's true. That happened with the confirmation, that they put some of the confirmation kids into the robes, which was fine, but then they were buying, spending hundreds on clothes for underneath the the, the white robes, which it seems to me, anyway, these days, most boys just want to wear a flipping tracksuit. So, where's the problem? PJ, communion is about the connection to the relationship with God. Jesus fought the money men outside the temple. Communion is not a mafioso wedding reception. These people need to save it for the birthday party and teach the kids humility, not teach them keeping up with the Joneses. That is from Justin. Text or WhatsApp or voice note, anything you've seen that you kind of went, oh my God. I think the remote control tiara, though, is is the best one that we've heard so far. Uh, there was another one. Somebody arrived at a confirmation a few years ago in a Humvee. You know these big Hummers, the pink Hummer. Some stuff coming in again on the cost of living. The ordinary, everyday stuff that we need to buy. And Bernie is on to something from her earlier message about bread and gluten-free bread. And we know that the big chains, the big stores, have all brought down milk, bread and butter by a few pence, a few cents rather, just to you know make it, supposedly make it a bit easier. But Bernie is wondering, did they get their money back by putting it onto her gluten-free bread? Which, since all of the butter and bread and milk, the ordinary ones, have started to come down in price, well... Well, Bernie's gluten-free bread, which she needs, has gone up by 30 or 40 cents. The cost of deodorant, lads, it is redonkulous. Uh, For some reason best known to themselves, the the little Tesco there on the Douglas Road near St. Finbar's, and I'm a very regular customer in there, they've moved their displays where the bottled water was facing you as you go into the till. But they changed it. And all the deodorants and the wet wipes and those can are there now. At the price of my life to the morning, I ended up with a bottle of water that was on there. Anyway, a bottle of Dove deodorant, the regular standard bottle of ordinary Dove deodorant, is only a few cents short of a tenner. Now, I would go through a bottle of that a month, maybe. I'm very sparing. Uh, I don't overuse it. I don't like putting smelly stuff under my arms. I don't prefer just to keep clean. But a bottle of deodorant, a tenner, like. Yeah, it's eight euros in Duns and Tesco's. Well, I found it for a tenner, nearly a tenner in in one Tesco's this morning. Uh, I thought I was seeing things. Anyone seen the price of women's ones in in the leading chains? The women's ones, I don't know how much. I clearly don't be buying them. Uh, but they're all gone very expensive. Shampoos, gone terribly expensive. Um, shower gels, awfully expensive. Really awfully expensive. 0818969696, which kind of ties into the communion call that we had, which 
Tis one of those, I'm glad you said it, because if I said it, I'd get slaughtered, listener. I've sympathy, I'm reading it again, I've sympathy with the fashion parade, because that puts a lot of pressure on the parents. But you've got to stand up to it too. And here's the message. Now, I didn't say this, okay? Before anyone starts screaming down the phone. I didn't say this. Don't be spending hundreds or even thousands on your communion and then say you can't afford bread. Oh, that's not done right by your child. I'm glad I didn't say that. I used to play a lot of sports. Like, I used to play football, basketball in school. Like, I went swimming twice a week. I was really active. And I fell in a match and I tore my calf. And at the same time, my knee started to get sore. And my dad was like, we'll just get a scan, whatever. So, went to the Afadea Centre on a Sunday. The next morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, phone call. And I was diagnosed within a couple of hours. In this world, it's just us. You know it's not the same as it was The Corks 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon Listen Thursday from 6am On Corks 96FM Friday, deodorant, I was robbed, was I? Morning Robbed, robbed <laughs> where, uh, where are you getting yours, girl? Uh, up in Super Value in Nakhnehini Know it very well, fine place, what are they charging? Yeah, I... Well, no, as far as I can remember, it's three week, about three weeks ago, I paid four euro. Right. For, for what brand, might I ask? Dove. Hmm? Dove? Dove. Dove. Right, and was it the, the regular tin or a little tiny tin? It's the regular tin. The regular tin, okay. No, I would, because I'm eight years of age and there's no way I'd pay eight euro for the bottle. No, God. God, no. God, no. Fair play to you, Bridie. Thank you very much. Four euro up in Super Value in Octi. A fine place. I love that Super Value. Anytime I'm up in, in that neck of the woods, I take a wander around it. Fabulous deli up there. Love it. Thanks, Bridie. 0818969696. Oh, can, you imagine, can you imagine the face on Bridie if you tried to charge her eight euro for deodorant at 80 years of age? She'd batter it off yet, she, so she would. Pat! Communions! Oh, Pat's gone. Pat's gone here. <laughs> He was talking about communions. I'll come back to that. Try and get him back there for me, lads, will you? 0818 96, 96, 96. For boys, ah, come on. You mean the boys' equivalent of the lighting up tiara is the spinning dicky bow? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't unsee this in my head. So little, little, little Sean gets his first Holy Communion and he turns around and he's all prayerful coming down the aisle with his first Holy Communion in his mouth and it's spinning dicky bow. Can you imagine? Can you? Pat, did you have any spinning dicky bows in the locked church or lighty up tiaras? Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Good, good. Your son? Oh, I never forget it, PJ. He has opened the lock church with Glasheen. Yeah. And, you know, the lock church now was big. Yeah. And uh, there was a, there was a, a girl in the opposite aisle. PJ, she couldn't come down the aisle with the, the size of the dress. You're joking, boy. I, that's I, a I big, that's a wide aisle, like. It is a wide aisle. And I was there, I was saying, you know, you, at the time, you're the boy coming down with a girl, like, so 
we were behind my young friend and I said, but he's number eight here now. And the way I said, I'm sure the girl is number eight as well. I said, trust him now, like, and PJ, he to carry the dress down the aisle. To the tent she had. Exactly. And I was saying to myself, you're a bit young enough to be carrying dresses down the aisle. He to literally lift the dress down the aisle. Why was it, had, had it these sort oh of cage God. things it, under it? It had literally wings and kind of everything attached to it. <laughs> it couldn't come out of the um, the, the seat <laughs> without uh, people holding up the dress. Is that weird? I can just see it. I can just and, see And you can see, you know, I know it's locked church, PJ. Yeah, I do. A fairly big aisle. Big aisle, she big seats, big, plenty of space in there, like. She could not come down the aisle to size the dress. <laughs> and that was communion, PJ. So, you know what I mean? That's seven that or seven or eight years ago. Yeah, two, uh, 2016, and there it was. He's number eight. And the way I said, I think she's number eight as well. And it's just not physical. And he had to carry the dress down the aisle. Aye. Oh, God, the and I, and I, as I said, poor young friend, big oil coming down the aisle. Did, did he even know her, like? Oh, he did. Oh, he and he said, uh, he said, I hope to God. He said, that won't happen again. He said, the only maker community won't buy. <laughs> But great memories. great memories. Ah, you know what? And I'd say the photographs are hilarious too. Oh, they are. But like great memories, but like it's grand for the boy when he just get the players up. Yeah. But like when my daughter made her communion as well, and Brendan's teacher, I think we paid about five hundred euros for that dress, which is a waste. And you know what? It's still hanging up in the wardrobe. Yeah. But I think at the time, like you didn't have a put in a glass case, like for five hundred. No, but I I think it was largest my father. He paid for the dress and he paid for my niece's dress as well. Right. But like, unbelievable. Like, I think they actually went PJ up to Limerick to get the dress. It's, I know it's a very big special day in it's, a it's girl's a life. Day, but like, PJ, maybe once, twice they'll wear it. Yeah. What would they you think wear? of the idea of just putting the simple robe over the shoulders? Oh, without a doubt. Like, there's so much pressure now on people. Like, definitely know this. I mean, as, as Ken was saying, there's people going to credit unions and oh, yeah. going to money lenders yeah. to no, try to pay for communion. There's a lot of the truth, PJ, probably one best than the other, like, but you have to kind of have the smart bit of cop on as well. Like, I think everyone should be in the same kind of robe. And as uh, uh, a person said to previous, uh, I think just the counsellor back to the school, all in the, the hall. Yeah, and belt away, and put the bouncy castle out in the and school put the field. The castle exactly, out and put one or two, well more than one bouncy castle. I suppose there's a lot of them, and just have them bring have them all out. Bit yeah, of music, and you know, karaoke, and yeah. bit of fun. And there's no one then best in the other. I think, and everybody pays in. Yeah. Exactly, everyone chips in. But as you said, the insurance company then will come in on top of that. Then, like, insurance company, the insurance man is coming up the road with a clipboard and a exactly. big smile on his face. And exactly, saying, <laughs> "Who's the first to fall off?" <laughs> yeah, so, who's paying for all this? Like, it, it is. It's a lot of best in one another, Peter. But yeah. I suppose look, it's only one day in their life. There, there's that as well. And you know? Like, you know, and you know what? I always said this. You know, I'm my own wife. I'm my own sister. Be culprit. Like you're saying, whose day is it when you see all the makeup and the clothes? It's the child's day, it's not just, oh, we have to look good as well. They were saying, there's a lot of expense, but do you know what? It's only one day, the, one day. There's that too. There is that. Pat, thank you. 0818969696. Can you imagine that picture? There he is in the Lock Church. I know it well. The Lock Church, big aisle, big seats, young fella, number eight in the list, and the dress. 
and they nearly need a committee to get the dress out. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on the cost of living, Kevin. You went over to Liverpool. Hey, hi PJ. How's it going? Yeah, I was over in Liverpool the weekend. I was uh, wondering when you'd make it eventually. Oh my God, what a city! What a place! Mm. Uh, definitely on the bucket list. If you've I've never, never been. been there, actually. Been to Manchester and been to Leeds and been to all those. Never been to Liverpool. Oh. We were, I arrived, we went over for the last game of the season, everyone who's on our podcast, and we decided, look, we're going to make a weekend of it, all the boys over for a weekend. And I arrived over, no smellies, no nothing. You know what Ryanair are like, you just mind the bag kind of thing. So I arrived over, went out to a place called Liverpool One. And it's like Patrick Street, it's the equivalent to their city centre shopping area. Oh my God, what Cork could do with a place like that. It was phenomenal, had everything in there. Walked into Boots and... Bottle of Lynx, two forty nine. Uh shower gel, one ninety nine. Toothbrush, toothpaste for two quid. It was normal. It was what we what well, was, well, no, it was what pre-COVID added, kind of prices. You what know? you've added up there now is what, two two forty for four fifty, six six fifty. Yeah. Translate that back into our money and that's about nine quid. Nine quid. So for you for what they're paying for Dove deodorant in yeah. the shop. You're getting a bottle of links, a shower gel, and a toothbrush and toothpaste. Yeah, all your, you know, just your basics, like for when you're going away for a weekend, all the stuff that you you know you're going to leave it thereafter. Mm. And it was pre-COVID prices. It was kind of normal prices, like. And I know for a fact we were. I went to Super Value here a couple. Of, I think it was last week. Just bought a, a bottle of links. Mm. So it's nearly seven fifty-eight quid. Yeah. It's like nah, that, that it is crazy. We are being fleeced for an awful lot of stuff. But I tell you, while we were over there, I noticed an awful lot of stuff. Transport, taxis, stuff like that. Handy money. You know, not out of the way. You're not fleeced. You yeah. know, and it's a big tourist city with a lot of... The amount of flights that were going over from Dublin and Cork and Shannon for, for the weekend, like, it's jammers. It is mm. absolutely packed. The city is rammed every weekend, be it whether, whether Liverpool are at home or Everton are at home. Mm. And they don't fleece people when they're coming in. What's your favourite pint, Kev? I was paying in town, uh, I was paying about four thirty for Guinness. Okay. In the That's place a fiver. Where, yeah, in the place where we were staying, it was about three forty for Coors or for uh, Guinness was about three fifty. Three fifty for printing that's that's four ten yeah. euro. Yeah. And I, I gave it a good sample size all I'm the sure way through, right? I'm <laughs> sure you did. No better book. Yeah. <laughs> what was the cost of a ticket to Anfield, though? A uh, ticket to Anfield was uh, 55 euro. Uh, no, 55 pounds for, for, for the ticket. And where we were was behind the Anfield Road, behind behind the goal, 20 rows up, see the hall picture. That's amazing good. stadium, amazing everything. Well, I know people have been there, they've never been there, but there isn't a bad seat in the stadium, I'm There told. isn't, and with the extension that's happening now for next season, there's going to be some like 60,000, yeah. and the noise you, you get, you, we, we're going to be doing some work over the next couple of days, compiling all of the videos and photos and everything, yeah. and to top it all off, Roberto Firmino was his last home game of the season, and we got a tip off that he was going to be, we'd done all the murals, and walked around the murals, seen some of the great ones like John Barnes, Ian Callaghan, Mo Salah, but we went and seen Bobby Firmino's um, mural, and he went. He went, he came out the day after the game on a Sunday, and he went to sign it. And there was about eighty people there. We got a tip that he was going to be there to sign it. Coming, took pictures with everyone, got talking to everyone. It just topped off the weekend. You know, it was a brilliant weekend. Great weather, 
they were on the post Eurovision hangover as well. You know, like the yeah. week after Eurovision. Oh, I heard so many people who were over there at the Eurovision. And it they was, just absolutely loved the it place. Was a great. If anyone is looking for a city to go to just for a weekend, such an easy place to get around. Even you know, football, no football. Great place to go and visit, and loads of stuff to see. Go down the cavern and yeah. Lime Street. That, that and I'd all love that to stuff. see. That yeah, I'd love to fantastic. See the I yeah. highly, highly recommend right. it. You couldn't beat the place. All right, good man, Kevin. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. If the bouncy castle Catholics really want to get their head checked, stop baptizing your kids to make Nana happy. The child won't be confused when they start studying science, and Mam and Dad won't hold the credit union. 3,000. Sorry for killing the mood. Okay. Thank you for that. Go to deals, 150. But for what, though? Um, PJ, watch the offers on Club Card. Often they're half-priced. Yeah, Tesco doing a lot of that now. Club Card deals. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the bouncy castle Catholics giving the kids a party and baptising the kids to make Nana happy. That's a bit harsh, I think. Harsh. Is this? Make up your mind. What country do Rolex watches come from? Is she on 9 out of 10 yet? 9 out of 10 right now. Oh my God. Oh no. I'm wrong, aren't I? I'm wrong in thinking that we had that conversation about Rolex. They have their headquarters in Geneva, in Switzerland. Yeah. Oh. But they were founded in the UK. You've just won two thousand. <laughs> Shop. I can't believe it. Congratulations, you aced it. 10 out of 10. A couple of guesses along the way, but you are the latest winner of 2,000 euro, and we are absolutely buzzing for you. Well done. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Stacking up the cash. 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 With two grand minutes. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96 FM. It's not connected to anything we've been talking about so far this morning, but Noel is responding to this decision announced yesterday to put health labels on drink. It'll happen. We'll be the first country in the world to do it. We're the first country in the world to decide to do it anyway. And it'll happen from around 2026. Um, And I was listening to a discussion on British radio last night where they were saying this is nanny nanny statery like you know Ireland wanting to be the best boys in the class by putting warning warning stickers on on drink just like they were the first country in the world to start the smoking ban and all of that and a few people saying yeah that is kind of nanny nanny statery really you know putting health warnings on a on a bottle of Heineken that it can give you cancer and do this to you and do that to you and the other thing it's like the health warnings on, on, on cigarettes have been there for years and so they haven't they haven't worked. It's a discussion worth having, but Noel is really annoyed by people saying it's nanny state. He said that's usually said by closed-minded people who can't think outside the box. 
just put the label on the alcohol. Just do it. Anybody who opposes anything which is intended to help people's health is just an idiot. Thank you, Noel. So anybody who opposed the smoking ban, I assume, is just an idiot in Noel's eyes. And anybody who would be opposed to putting a sticker on a bottle of beer to tell you the dangers of alcohol would also be an idiot. The only comeback, Noel, is anybody who wants to take a drink already knows. I already know when I take a pint that I could probably be putting better things into my body. But I manage I, I manage it carefully. I'm not mad. I don't overdo things. I don't poison myself with it. I know I could be putting better things into my body. I don't need a sticker on the bottle to tell me. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, 0818 96 96 96. Coming up this hour, I'll be talking to Glenn Hansard of The Frames and playing a very, 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 very successful song by Glenn. And we'll also have some tickets for The Frames live at the Marquee. That is to come. Marquee, of course, opening this weekend. But first, Maria, you're being chased for a debt by, is it air? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Yes, um, I had a, well, it wasn't a debt with air. It was a false debt with air. Okay. Um, so what happened was during the pandemic, um, my contract was coming to an end with air. Yeah. And as you know, anyone who has been with air during the pandemic, there was no one on to answer the phones. Yes. So my actual Wi-Fi stopped working as well before my contract had ended. So I had no choice but to leave Air Network and join the local provider um, who had better rates, no fixed contracts, has had no hassles with them. So I had to wait then for a few months for the people in Air to actually answer their phones to let them know I've left the company. But when I did leave, I cancelled my direct debit with hope that they'd actually notice it and phone me to go, why aren't you paying us? Because I could not get through to them. So what happened then was uh, I finally got through to an operator, explained my case. My Wi-Fi wasn't working. My contract was coming to an end. I tried to ring you with giving you proper notice, but there was no one there to answer the phone. They apologised at the time and said that there was no one working during the COVID period uh, to answer the phones. So they'd cancel my outstanding debt with them because I provided a letter from my new provider. And uh, I was told the matter was closed. So I was like, brand. So a few weeks later, I still get emails and text messages. You've this outstanding balance. <laughs> so I was like, I better ring him back. So I phoned him back. And I was saying, you know, lads, you said this was cancelled. And they were like, oh, it is. Ignore the email. Ignore Quick question the for you, Maria. Did, yeah. you, did you think of asking or did they offer at any point to put that into, in writing for you that it had been cancelled? Yeah, I asked them. Uh, so I asked could I have an email or a letter and they said that it's not their standard procedure that they don't send out emails um, and letters like that but it's on the system and it's cancelled. So they basically didn't give me that option. Why well, you'd wonder why, like? Yeah, because I was like, you send me emails to bill me, you know? That's right, I sent yeah. me letters to, you know, to bill me. Um, but no, they don't give it out. So I was told just ignore it. So I did. They were coming in every month as they normally would have and I just ignored it. And then after a few months I received a letter uh, an email from Air and it was saying that my outstanding balance was now sold to a debt collector and that they'd be in contact with me 
How much were we talking about here? No, it was only 203 euro, luckily for me. Um, But I was like, what? So I was told to ignore all these messages. So I phoned him up and I said, lads, what's going on? You told me to ignore the messages. This debt is cancelled. It's not even a debt. It's not even on your system. But you've sold it to a debt collector. And they were like, oh, look, it's an error in your system. Ignore it. And I was like, lads, I need an email now and I need a letter. And again, was told I wasn't able to get one. So a few weeks later, then the debt collector emailed me and was saying that I'm now in debt with them and that we better come to a mutual arrangement and pay the debt. Oh dear, so they, if you like, took over the debt from AIR. They bought my debt off AIR. A debt that AIR says doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. But AIR, because they haven't given you, or say you can't, which makes no sense to me, you can't have it in writing that the debt is cancelled. Yeah. This other company now reckons you still owe it to them. Yeah, and then uh, I made contact with them and I told them the situation and I said, I'm not contracted with your, everything has been cancelled. It was a mistake on their system uh, that I'd phoned them once I was told there was a debt sent to them and they said, no, it's a real debt. They bought it, they own it and I know owed them. So I rang her and I was like, what's going on? Like, I'm being chased by a debt collector now. I'm being sent threatening emails that if I don't pay this, that I'm going on their credit list. Uh, so my name is going to be shunned everywhere and there's going to be a judgment against me. So they were like, oh, look, we'll contact them. Don't worry about it. Uh, Just it's give error. me a flipping email. Yes, they wouldn't, still wouldn't. Um, so they were supposed to make contact with them. So I hadn't heard anything for a few weeks. So I was like, okay, thank God this is done with. And then a few weeks later, I got a threatening email off of um, this debt collector stating that um, my name was going to be published on their newsletter websites for all creditors, companies to see and my credit rating was going to be affected and that if I ever needed credit in the future, I'd have to pay more money or I could be refused point blank. So that's when I got angry. (laughs) I'm surprised you're so calm at this stage, Maria. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was obviously, like, flipping the lid and my husband was like, chillax, you know, like, take a deep breath, um, you know, because I wanted to be, like, take a vengeance. But, uh, yeah, I, after I got myself in check, I kind of sat down and I wrote an angry email to the debt collector and I stated, this debt does not exist. It's an error in errors, basically, side, and that if any of my details were to be published on their website, I would take out a defamation case against them that I have no debts in my name at all. And I would take this as pure defamation towards my character. And I rang Air, and I said the same thing to them. I said, I will be taking them to court for defamation and stresses incurred if they did not rectify this immediately. Mm-hmm. If I received one more letter or threatening phone call, I was bringing them to court. And I gave him a really good name of a solicitor that I would follow up with that deals with defamation because I'd looked him up. And when I gave him that call, they literally sorted it out. And then I got an email from Air stating my case is now closed oh, that I could for... send on to the debt collector. So hold so on a minute like, now. Yeah. <laughs> so they refused you how many times? They refused oh, you a loads. simple email that yeah. would have solved all of this. It, yeah. it gets to the he- to a head 
where you have a debt collection company writing to you and making threats to you. Mm-hmm. You go and and then they sort. They, oh, God. yeah, and there was loads of emails between me and the debt collector because I was in contact with one particular person in it, and I like I have a string of emails with them as well as the debt collectors. You know, um. General so emails, your email well. threads. Good girl. Good so I had girl. all my email threads and I had them all saved and I had things screenshotted and I had all my calls with air screenshotted of times I took people's names that I spoke with and every time I spoke with the debt collector I was like, well, this is the person I spoke with from air. There's not a judge in the land would have gone against you. No. So when I told them all this um, and that I was going on a defamation case, they dropped it. But then I got my email from air to say it's now closed and I, I sent that on to the debt collector and I was like, did you receive confirmation from where this was a mistake and here's the email to say that this case is closed and they just emailed back and said, yes, we did, thanks. Not even an apology. Um, but like, how many people has this happened to that haven't had the savvy that I've had to follow Indeed. it? Now, mine is Indeed. mainly on principle that no, I no, no. chased and, it. And you're, and you're right. It's not an enormous amount of money, no. but it's, it's, it's important to you that you don't have a debt and I just don't get... I don't get the logic of telling you that that debt is non-existent and that's a mistake. And I don't get the logic of not being willing to put that into writing for you. Yeah, and it was, this is going on for, like, God, a, a year, DJ, I'd say, between the, me cancelling it to receiving those emails that I owed air to then air selling my debt, then for weeks of me and that debt collector back and forth and me back and forth with air, where they could have just simply just, give me an email at the very start to say this is a mistake on our system or actually rectify the mistake on your system. How many people does it take to rectify a simple mistake, you know? Yeah. Um, and then even like to try to get through to air was shocking. So I couldn't even go through the normal air number um, because they weren't answering the phones. Like I was waiting half hour for my tough calls to be yeah, answered. Yeah, having dealt with them a little bit there earlier this year when I was changing providers, having dealt with a number of providers, trying to get through to the second or to the same person the second time is yeah. a nightmare. So you, how, many, how many times had you to explain your case on the phone? Oh, loads. It was always different people. And the thing was, I ended up having to go through other departments to get through to, say, the personal account department that I would have been under because they weren't answering their phone. So after half an hour, they'd hang up on me. And I'd be like, are you serious? You know, before I even got to spoke mm-hmm. to someone. So then I just got very angry and I was like ringing through the business company, so the business side of the company, and explaining my case to them, which I had to do four times. And one of the guys in the business thing, he started emailing me and he was trying to rectify it from his side as well. And he couldn't fathom what was going on. God. (laughs) You're a determined woman. Remind me never to cross you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But like, how many how many vulnerable people has this go. happened to, or older people? There you go. Because like, this took a stress on me, and I'm young and I'm determined. But there's people there that couldn't take this stress. It would push them over. If someone was suffering a mental health issue, this would push them over the edge. Exactly. If someone had outstanding debts that they were already finding hard to clear, a threat like this could push someone over the edge. You're dead right. You're dead right. Maria, thank you very much for that. 0818969696. Hey, PJ, the same thing. This is from Chrissy. The same thing happened to me. I moved from Vodafone to Air. I was out of contract. I started getting debt collector letters and phone calls from a crowd called Intrum looking for €180, which I didn't owe. It was very stressful. went on for months, even though I told them I didn't have 
an outstanding debt. The letter then said they were writing to me with a settlement offer. I had nothing to settle. It was all very annoying, says Chrissy. And Anne says, my 88-year-old dad had the same problem. Uh, his daughter had to sort it for him. I had, uh, Anne says, I had to sort it for him. They're crazy difficult to deal with. And it could all have been avoided if they just put it in writing for Maria that that debt was an error and that that debt no longer existed. Why didn't they do that? What kind of policy nonsense is that? Wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Well, live at the marquee opens at the weekend. Live at the marquee twenty twenty three. Is it seventeen or eighteen gigs over the next number of weeks? One of those gigs will be the Frames, and I shall be talking with Glenn Hansard next. Friday 26th is Jersey Day. Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make me feel... Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. See 96fm.ie for more. 96fm.ie for more. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th. 25th to 27th. You make, you make feel. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Glenn. Oops, he was there, lads. He's gone. We're talking to Glenn Hansard from the Frames in just a sec. They are playing live the marquee Friday 2nd and Saturday 3rd of June. I think it was 2010 they were there last. But what I didn't know, um, shouldn't have realized, I didn't realise how long they'd been around. I would have said, if you asked me when the frames were set up um, in Dublin, in, I would have said maybe 2005, 2006. Glenn, 1990, for goodness sake, lad, we're all getting old. Morning. How are you? How's it going? We are indeed. God almighty. I would have said if you, I, maybe 2002, 2003. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, the, the, the 90s, and it was kind of Cork, you know, Sir Henry's and the Lacey House. They were the kind of places where we had our first inkling of any kind of, how would you say, goodwill outside of Dublin, which yeah. was a huge deal for us. Yeah, but, but it's been a consistent, you know, we, we just toured and toured and toured and that was kind of, that was kind of how we did it. Take me back to the early days, because it's funny you should say what you just said about Cork. But tell me, tell me about the early days. Um, well, we were signed. I was signed by Chris Blackwell from Island Records. He also signed Cranberries uh, within the same month. Um, and I remember, I remember meeting Dolores and meeting the guys because we were actually sent to the same studio to make demos. You know, classic record company stuff. Go down to Limerick and make this demo. Uh, had a great time down there and you know it was the the thing that was always I I suppose consistent for us the only thing that was consistent was that when we played shows people showed up and that was basically and I remember you know because we would do these tours of England you know because the record label only really recognised England as any kind of breakthrough which is fair you know which is which is still fair enough in some ways although Brexit has changed all that English bands can't get arrested now in Europe (laughs) 
Um, but um, so we would we would we would tour Ireland and then we would tour England and we would tour Ireland and we would tour England and we always dreamt about touring America. Mm. Um, and but I have to say, Cork was truly one of the you know it was just it was just one of those places where you know we played in the lobby and we played you know, the Lacey House or Henry's and we just, things just began to feel like something was happening. You're mentioning iconic names there, Henry's, the Lacey's, the Lobby. I probably, I probably DJed after you and Henry's back in the day. I'm almost certain I did. But it's yeah. funny what you should say about Cork and, and it being the place outside of Dublin where you first realised we're onto something here. Because do you know who else said that to me? And he's a man who's very close to our minds at the moment. Great Christy Dignam. There you go. I was just thinking, Christy, yeah. He said the very same thing to me a couple of times. He said, you know, it was out, It was just Cork where we realised, heck, lads, we're onto something. Yeah, I, I remember I remember um, uh, uh, someone talking about, about cold coastal towns. Someone made the point that all the best bands in the world came from cold coastal towns. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. You well, know? we give you coastal towns. It's not very cold today, but we know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 a great city, and of course, you know, you've got the the, the so much great music from Cork too. And there was there was always that thing of like, what have you got? Because Cork really had its Cork had its own scene, and it had its own great music, and it had its own heroes, you know. And it was uh, it was a for me, it was a huge. I remember kind of realizing early on that it was my favorite city in Ireland. I never I never managed to sort of go down there and spend any kind of time, but every time I go down there, as in like, never went down to live there, but. Every time we were there, it was always an incredible, an incredible time. Yeah, the lineup of the band has changed a bit uh, over the years. <laughs> yeah, through the years, people drop in, people drop out. You know, bands are funny things. They're these, they're you know, they're like these kind of wonderful. It's kind of like when I get a chance to play with the Frames these days, I sort of feel like it's it's like you you get to take out the the Rolls Royce you've been restoring in the shed over over a very long period. You know, you get to take it out for a drive. It's like the most amazing, nobody makes a, you know, in, in my life, there's no one makes that sound. That, you know, when I'm, because I write songs, I write songs for the Swell Season, I write songs for myself, I write songs for the Frames, and it's, it's like when I write a song but the, and the Frames are involved, mm. it, it's a completely different song because of their input and because of their, you know, and, it, and it's a kind of a glorious sound, and, you know, going solo and, being in the Celsius and all of this stuff, you know, you think like, you know, it's, you know, you, you look back and you go, maybe it's, maybe, you know, but actually, you know, maybe it was a decision along the way, but actually what it is, is circumstantial. Mm. Like I just happened to be living in New York. I happened to be living in the Czech Republic when I started making music with Mar. I was living in, in, um, living in New York when I made my first solo record. And I'm just making records and I'm just yeah. making records with whoever's nearby. Yeah, something that you do as well, and I think it's what makes the band successful, is you're never afraid to just have fun, like throwing in bits of Ring of Fire in the middle uh, of a yeah, gig. We, we, you know? we come from the busking. We come from the busking tradition, and the busking tradition is all about just you know playing the tunes, and if you get a bit of a crowd, keeping them there. You know, do you still do Willy Wonka? Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, we still do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's become part of the song now. And actually, we have to reach out to them because we stuck it into. It's on Dance the Devil, uh, our record, and we had to contact the writers of that tune. And they uh, they came back and they were like, "We're absolutely delighted." You know, where some people would come back and go, "No way, you can't use it." They were like, "We're absolutely delighted. You can have it. Don't worry." You know. Yeah. 
So you'll be here on the 2nd and 3rd of, of June, or 3rd and 4th of June, the dates. Yeah. 2nd and 3rd. They're flying. I'm going to give two pairs of tickets away and two goodie bags, all right? Now, what I want to do is I want you to talk to me about this song, but I don't want you to name the movie. Okay. Because I want people to do that. But okay. Th- was this was this the highest point of songwriting for you, Glenn, in 2008, when, when Falling Slowly won an Oscar? Uh, it was, you know, I just sometimes you write a song and you go, you know, that's a good one. You know, I like that. And then other times you write a song and you go, there's something about, I remember, I remember having this kind of feeling. I remember having this feeling when I wrote it going, Jesus, Westlife could play that. And it, and it would sound like a song, you know. And, and, and do you know what I mean? And I remember kind of having this feeling. It's kind of, it's slightly, it's a slightly uncomfortable feeling where you write something and you go, is that any good or is it terrible? Or is it great? I don't know. You know that kind of feeling where yeah. you're just like, I, I, it puts you out of your comfort zone. And I remember hearing a great interview with Bowie where he was like, that's where you have to operate the whole time. Like when something just sounds like you, that's not a great song. It has to sound like it's a little bit beyond you or a little bit out where it makes you a little uncomfortable to listen to it. He says, then you're in the exciting area of artistic exploration. And it was Marquetta who, um, it was Marquetta who basically kind of re- you know, pulled that song apart. I mean, she sang a particular harmony on the chorus line because the frames had, you know, had been, you know, playing with that song. But it was when Marquetta sang it, it was like, okay, now it's a song. Yeah. Is it yeah. your, is it your Africa? Like Toto or something like that? Is it? <laughs> I wish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is it the uh, one that is the, is, is it the one that they call you back for? At gigs like the Marquee, if you if you try to walk out of the Marquee without playing Fallen Slowly, would there be would there be war? Do you know there wouldn't be. That's a funny thing. There's a kind of a frame. There's a frame swell season divide. Not not to not to say that it's a, a one is anti the other, but no, we, I don't think the frames have ever played Falling Slowly at a show. Really? No. Wow. Well, have you, do you still do Heyday? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, make us so close to our hearts. Yeah. It's, it's, what a tragedy. To, I know, God bless him, God bless him, you know, and we'll be, we'll, we'll probably bust out a Fergus O'Farrell song, we'll probably bust out an Interference song as well, just because, you know, the Cork club. Yeah, yeah, listen, I'm, it, it, I'm looking forward to it, it'll be a great gig, we have two pairs of tickets to give away for, to see, to see the frames, live at the marquee, second, uh, third of June, first time since 2010, isn't it, Glenn? Yeah, it's been a while actually. Oh, it's been a while. All right, and we've goodie bags as well. So thank you. We're going to play the song. It's called "Falling Slowly." We want people to tell us what the name of the movie was that they won the Oscar for. Glenn Hansard and Marketa Erklova. I would talk to you uh, at the marquee, Glenn. Thank you. That's Glenn Hansard of the Frames. All right, it's a classic song. I wonder will they do it at the marquee after talking to me now? He might. Uh, we'd never know. It'd be great if he did, wouldn't it? Such a song. Marky on the 2nd and 3rd of June. Some tickets still available. Your chance, two pairs to give away now with two Live at the Marquee goodie bags. So, what is the name of the movie that this song won an Oscar for? Gorgeous, isn't it? And when you point, makes that point about her vocal adding to it, you can see why they don't do it often on stage as a band. Um, because she's up there, but I would love to hear it at the marquee because it's such a fabulous song. From, well, we'll get Valerie and we'll get Carolyn to tell us the the movie. Valerie? Hi, PJ. How, how are you doing? Carolyn, how are you? 
I'm good. How are good. you? Say it together, ladies. What was the name of the movie? Once. Once. Very good. And they won the Oscar for Best Original Song back in 2008. Ever seen them before, Valerie? No, I haven't. Yeah. I, I do remember Henry's, though. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, might, you might have seen them in Henry's. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Some of our memories of Henry's, those of us who do remember Henry's, might have been a bit hazy. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, do you remember Henry's or...? I think I only ventured there about once, I'd say. Once or twice, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> once, once appropriately. memories. <laughs> have you ever seen the band? No, I haven't, but it would be brilliant to see them. Yeah, well, there are two shows, Friday 2nd, Saturday 3rd of June, next week, really. And uh, there's um, there's some tickets available, but you needn't worry about it because we have a pair of tickets for each of you and uh, Live at the Marquee goodie bag as well. So congratulations and enjoy the gig uh, Live at the Marquee. We have more tickets. That's Valerie Nee Cochline and Caroline Quigley. Valerie from Ballinlock and Caroline from Middleton winning with the frames and Live at the Marquee. And our friends at Aiken Promotions, it all kicks off this Saturday night. Can you believe it? We are just days away from another Live at the Marquee Festival. It started in, wasn't it 2005? It started. And it was to be like just for that year. And here we still have it. And I was, there's a great table quiz question. The first artist ever to play Live at the Marquee. I think I know the answer to it because I caught someone at the weekend who said it was Christy Moore. It wasn't. The first first artist to ever play live at the marquee. Um, I'm going to make double sure of it before I make a fool of myself, but I'm almost certain I know who it was. 0818 96 96 96. On debt collection, that happened to me with air. Ended up paying the debt collector's Stubbs Gazette threatening letters and all, telling me they were taking me to court. Mick, you know, often a company can't sell the debt and the collectors are only bluffing. It's worth checking into it. But in some cases, you can turn around to the collector and say, thanks for paying my bill. I've no contact with you and I don't want you in my life. That could be fun. On the labelling of alcohol. And look, it is what it is. It'll happen in 2026. And I really don't care. You know, I I don't actually care. That's, I'd, I'd like people to kind of understand that about me. I, I don't care. Some people saying nanny state, but all right, PJ, let's try to explain the thinking on alcohol labelling. Idiots are out there. Lots of them who drink alcohol. Us intelligent or non-idiots need to protect those idiots by sometimes sacrificing something we're opposed to, like health labels on beer bottles. If the labels make even one idiot rethink their alcohol intake, it'll be worth it. Here's the solution, PJ. Just drink your beer, enjoy your beer, and stop reading your beer. Look up at the sky and think happy thoughts. Nobody wants beer labels, including myself, but it won't affect my life in a bad way by having labels on it. It might or should affect some people in a good way. Um, my, 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 uh, usually an alcoholic goes off drink from a moment of decision by themselves, and that moment could be A chronic alcoholic very near the edge, sitting on their own and reading a label at the right moment in time to decide I'm not putting any more of this crap into my body. I need to get my life back. Thank you. That's from Noel. Uh, By the way, he says, my father drank like a fish when I was younger, but decided one day to just stop. 
that was 30 years ago he's 85 now fit as a bull and I'm really proud of him yeah it's a take it makes absolutely no difference to me whether there's a, a label on my beer or not I couldn't care less really I'm just wondering why they're so pushy about it that's all that's all you know, why is it such a big deal for Stephen Donnelly? Why does it seem to be so important rather than, you know, maybe cutting a few waiting lists or stopping the plane loads of nurses from leaving the country? Do you know, I just thought that might be a bit more of a of a priority for for the Minister for Health, but what would I know? I'm just a gob on the radio. I mentioned earlier... We were chatting with Mick Barry yesterday about union recognition rights and companies dealing with unions. And the strange thing like um, Stryker, where one outlet of Stryker has a deal with a union and another outlet does not. Mick was able to throw some light on that under the transfer of undertakings legislation where maybe Stryker bought into a company, bought the company and the company already had uh, a union agreement in place well Stryker was obliged then to deal with that and work with that union that's why some of them are and some of them aren't another company where some of them are and some of them aren't is AbbVie they're in Westport and they're in Cork the Westport branch is unionised the Cork one is not and there was a strike in 2017 and after that strike a lot of people sort of lost their jobs or moved away or were moved away and it just look causation and correlation and all that you can't say that one was because of the other but an awful lot of the people that, 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 that lost their jobs after that were union members or union activists and on that point we got a, a few messages 11 of the original striking union people were offered redundancy that's the fact 4 were fired There would have been about 20-odd people on the original picket line. I think some of them are still left. My husband is still with AbbVie. He was one of the men in the union who went out on strike in 2017. They weren't all sacked. There are still a few of the union people left there. They will continue to fight for their rights. PJ, I listened with interest to McBarry. Fair play for highlighting what some of the companies are doing. It's scandalous that they don't recognise the unions. We should all have the right to be unionised. My late father was a union man for years. He instilled the union ethos in all of us. The government needs to do more to protect workers. That's from David. Um, This anonymous one, Mick Barry, is right, PJ. Three people were fired from AbbVie a few weeks before Christmas in 2021. They all had young families. They were all union people. I know this because I worked there. I left a few years back. And Keith says, Simon Coverdy PJ needs to row in on this issue regarding Stryker, AbbVie and other companies not recognising the unions. Irish workers in these big multinationals have rights and they deserve to be protected by our law. And that's from Keith. The problem with the law, Keith, and I'm sure you know this, you don't need me telling you again, but I'm going to anyway. The problem with the law is you and your colleagues or anybody's colleagues have an absolute right to be a member of a trade union. That is your right, no one can take it away from you. But your company, your boss, has absolutely no obligation under Irish law to recognise your union or to deal with your union official. I think that's wrong. 
I happen to believe that where a certain number, if there are 100 people working in a factory or 20 people working for a company and more than a certain number want a union agreement, I believe fervently and have done since I first joined the NUJ in 1989 or 1990, I absolutely believe that that company should be compelled under law. If you have a certain number, should be compelled under law to deal with the union. I, I, do, I do believe that. The law doesn't say it, though. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Some stuff to clear up on Bally de Hob before I go to Linda. Um, Tommy thoroughly agrees with Wayne about festival Wayne Lloyd about festivals needing toilets and bins. Uh, but why is it so glaringly obvious and why is it so glaringly escaping our councils? We're a city here, for example, of 120,000 to 300,000, depending on the weekend. And if there were more toilets, they'd be used. I'll bet you if there was more toilets in Ballady Hub, they'd be used as well. And I'll bet you there's more toilets in Ballady Hub than there are here in the city. This toilet thing is a real blind spot with people, which, yeah, um, and just go back to where we were on that. Yes, it's like any festival or night out or anything, says this message. There's antisocial behaviour, people piddling in a corner, drugs being taken. She'll see it any Saturday night in any town or village. This absolute bull that none of it happens in Bally Hub needs to stop. It's crap. We know it and they know it. They need to take off the rose-tinted glasses, acknowledge the situation, and just get on with it. No matter what you do to prevent any of it, it is going to happen. Those who drink too much will still drink too much. Those who want to take drugs will still take drugs. Nobody's perfect. No town or village is either. That seems to be a message for the people pushing back, like Shane was earlier, pushing back against what Wayne Lloyd had to say. All right, a couple of bits of business. Linda, I was joking earlier on about the insurance man arriving with a clipboard, gleefully looking at children in bouncy castles. But it's not a laughing matter because it's because of insurance, at least that's one of the reasons, there is to be no Shandon Street Festival, Linda. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, that is just one of the factors, I suppose, really. And it's a bit of a pity because I'm sure that you're well aware it was a very established festival. Oh, yeah. Run, running since 2007. And it was a great family funder. Um, but look, I suppose, that, as I said, it was one of the factors. It was hard work. You know, it was hard work also putting it together because I suppose well, initially in 2007, we had a great team of volunteers. You know, volunteers can go one way or another. You can either get loads and they stay with you or, you know, sometimes they just drift away. Not always, you know, um, for, for various reasons, basically. But I suppose at the end of the day, it was down to the local butcher and myself. And I worked in the local credit union and it took up a lot of our time. Mm. You know, there was a lot of organising. We would have, you know, fundraised all, you know, probably since January. The festival itself was run um, in June. Uh, you know, we had various, we had table quizzes, we had, um, you know, ladies that were knitting little chicks. So we had to do a lot of the fundraising ourselves. Cork City Council were good to a point, but we we would have been given with one hand and taken away with another. Mm. You know, we had to pay for road closures, we had the insurance costs, 
We had ambulance, first aid. We paid for all the entertainers, uh, the posters. Now, the traders on the street were also very good to us. But again, because of COVID, I suppose, you know, things took a turn. So we didn't necessarily like to be tapping into those. So there was a number of contributing factors. Mm. Um, and look, I suppose, to be fair, we, we were also up against the bigger events like the Cork Summer Show. And, you know, I suppose sometimes that took some of our numbers. Now, we had very, very dedicated um, ongoing people that attended us and you know that was evident really I suppose on our Facebook page with the lovely comments because people it was a tradition there was yeah. families came to our festival every year well, it was such an, an unusual type of festival Linda and there was yeah. effectively an inner city street festival absolutely it was look as somebody described it as eclectic it was a mixture of you know old and new I mean one one of the years we, we had a variety of situations one year we actually had an orchestra from America who happened to be in town. They heard about our festival and they played on the on the steps of the Firkin Crane, which I'm sure for many was just amazing because not everybody gets to see an orchestra live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another year we actually had, um, it was great, we had a wedding that took place right in the middle of uh, Shandon itself. I remember that. And the people, yeah, the, and the, 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 I remember they were, the family were concerned at the time but I think in the end they realised they couldn't have actually paid for the entertainment that they had because they had guests from far and wide. That's right. um, and also, you know, on our Facebook And the, page, the landscape of people and the, the diversity of people living in the area has changed absolutely. so much over the years. And their music and their culture became part of the festival. Absolutely. And, you know, I suppose one of the major things for us as well was, and I know we did instill memories into, we used to have a soccer tournament for under 10s in St. Anne's Park. Yeah. But what was lovely about the whole event, and we were blessed looking most years, we used to gather all the um, entertainers and that in the, in the car park of the North Cathedral, and we'd arrange a parade led by the, uh, the Lord Mayor at the time, and they'd march down Shandon Street, the boys in their, um, their gear, and it was such a proud moment yeah. for them. Yeah. And it just, it really, really brought the community together. It, you know, there was a Tidy Towns Committee. They were out in force in the run-up to it. Yeah. I, used to, it I used to wander up there the odd time for, you, you get you get chips and curry and enjoy the music and the bit of buzz going on. And my, of course, my great old pal, who's not in the best of health at the moment, but uh, Jim Keneally, who yes. used to handle all the sound. That's right, you that's know? right, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, no, it was lovely. And I think it was summarised by... Somebody took the, the time, you know, um, it's on our Facebook page, where a, a family from Auckland, New Zealand, and they just happened to be around the area, and they put they actually just posted a postcard addressing it to organisers, Shandon Street Festival, Shandon Street Cork, and saying what a fantastic community we had, and how lucky that they were that they stumbled across this amazing free event. Yeah. And look, as I said, I suppose we were, we were fortunate in that we did create so many fantastic memories but look, I suppose, as I said, we have other up-and-coming festivals there now, you know, the, the Joy in the Park, the Festival of Science. And look, we'd like to see that people would go and support us because we know what's involved. We know the hard work that's behind it all. And we certainly appreciate everything that's been done. And we appreciate everyone that ever came and supported us. And that, as I said, that have created fantastic memories for both us. And look, who knows what the future will hold, you yeah, know. Maybe, yeah. It's maybe an extended break. You haven't said it's never going to happen again, but for now it won't be. Linda O'Halloran of the Shandon Street Festival uh, Committee for many, many years. Uh, that's sad. That is sad to see. Because what a great day out. What a great festival.
it was. And I'm, I just my, my thoughts are with uh, Jim and those who know him because he's not very well at the moment. I found that out over the last few days. Jim, from a place I mentioned earlier on, from Witterlings Lane, Jim used to maintain and fix all of my disco gear for years. And if it wasn't, it wasn't broken until Jim said it was broken and then it was banjaxed. Uh, he used to do the sound and light for years for the Shandon Street Festival. So um, sad to hear that. Good to see, though, that this common sense has prevailed again and the licence fees for outdoor dining are being waived again. Uh, like, why it even needs to be a discussion is beyond me. We had oh, one last message before we go from Cole. Uh, on Sunday 21st, my pigeon, says Cole, went missing near the lock. She's white, completely white, very tame. Her name is Pam. I was wondering, would it be possible to mention her on the air? She's a pet. She's not a racing pigeon. I've had her since she was a tiny chick. She's eight months old now. She's huge and she's white. And you'll notice her. We bring her out a lot, but the crows scare her. And she flew off the other day when she got scared. My phone number is 083-091-3658. We'd love to find her. If anyone can help, I'd be so grateful. Thank you, says Cole. Cole, if we can help to find Pam, the snow white pigeon from out near the lock. If anybody has found her or knows where she is, then they can contact us. Best I can do for you, Cole. Happy to help. That's it. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818-969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM.